Welcome, sit down, I'm a John. And so am I. And we're joined by a very special guest. Hello, I'm Sarah Jane. Welcome along. So we've just heard the intro there, and you have chosen Red Dwarf. Yes, I have. Very excited about this one. Right, okay. Why have you chosen Red Dwarf? Because it is a cult uh, phenomenon. Yeah, I said that right. Um, yeah, it's it's spanned. I mean, the series spanned over three decades. Twelve series. It's got loads of fans all over the world. Its own conventions. Its own universe, if you like. So there's lots to talk about. Excellent. So for anybody who doesn't know, this is Red Dwarf, which first came to our screens in 1988. The BBC. Yeah, it has twelve series and a film. Wow. We were saying off air that the comparison between this and our previous episode is quite Yes, stark. it is, yeah, yeah. From the sublime to the ridiculous, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, so having gone from um, four or five people sitting in the living room, mm. as you say, Sarah, we've gone into the dwarf multiverse. Indeed. Like the universe, is it? Yeah, yeah, definitely. A few dimension jumps in there. Okay. So do you think, is this one that you watched from the beginning, can you remember? No, I didn't. I came into it quite late, actually. I think it was when it um, ended up on Dave, which oh. is the channel that is named after the main character in Red Dwarf, Dave Lister. Is that a fact? Is it is. A... Oh, well, wait. Yes. I never knew that. Yes. No, I so I never one of the, they actually bought the series mm. and have since created new mm. episodes. I'd love um, to have been in the creative meeting. It's like, oh, Red Dwarf, and I had a would have gone Rimmer let's call it Rimmer Rimmer yeah yeah I think that would have been a good choice as well no I don't <laughs> yeah I'd have called him Dick Rimmer though well oh. you would okay <laughs> maybe it's just me it's a, it's a massively ambitious sitcom as you say it goes all around the multiverse we, we meet all kind of weird and wonderful characters but at its essence in the beginning it was effectively the odd couple in space pretty much yeah and I think I don't think they actually set out to create a massive universe. I think that just happened because the series kept getting recommissioned. So um, I think the, the first couple of series, they are literally just maybe in one room and a corridor and maybe a different corridor that they just filmed from another angle, the same <laughs> corridor. So I think that's what I quite like about those first few series is that you, it's it's obviously cheaply done, but that means that they have to work really hard with the mm-hmm. script. Yeah. yeah, there was a charm about that, though. There was a charm about it, the, the cheaply done bit. And the fact, as you say, in a way, it was kind of traditional to begin with, because it was just three or four people in a, you know, in four walls. Um, yeah, it's definite. I mean, I think the bunk beds uh, do remind me a little bit of porridge, I think. There's that <laughs> element yeah. to it, you know, there's a couple of people stuck together, yeah. you know. they've Which, when you think about it, They've got this huge ship, um, it is vast, and they end up still bunking together, which is which is strange because they literally have the run of the ship, but they still choose to bunk together, mm. which is obviously aids the plot, but everyone just forgives that. You absolutely, know. it never even occurred to me. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, you know, yeah. they could have just moved. It'd to have been rubbish. Of the ship. It'd be rubbish if they all lived in different, you know, places. Exactly. Yeah. yeah, yeah. It did put an end to all the chit chat, wouldn't it? Yeah, pretty much. And one liners. Because other people that bump into each other for three weeks and otherwise <laughs> wandering around. But they did, they have the toaster to talk to. Oh, yeah, the talky true. toaster. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. 
So the basic plot points. So Dave Lister has been in stasis for three million years. Um, he was the lowest ranked member of the ship. The only reason he survived is because he was, was he in stasis because of the crime of bringing his pregnant cat aboard. That's right, yeah. Yeah, yeah didn't yeah. know his cat was pregnant at the time, I don't uh, think. Right, Maybe okay. he did, but no, I think it, the consequences of that were... Uh. Yeah. So the ship's <laughs> computer survived, um, Holly, and the ship's computer calculated that the person best to bring back to keep Lister company was Rimmer, who incidentally was the second lowest ranked member of the ship and the cause of the radiation leak that killed everybody in the first place. That's right. Yeah. yeah. But an expert at cleaning the chicken soup nozzle. Yeah. Which is, seemed to be his main task yeah. aboard, aboard the ship. And I think when uh, when Dave Lister asks Holly, why, why Rimmer? Why bring him back? I hated him. And he said, well... You know, you actually exchanged the most words when I calculated uh, it. You spoke uh, the most to him. Mm-hmm. And he kind of says something like, yeah, but most of those were like, you know, insults. Involved the word smeg, I should Yes, be. yeah, smeged, which is a favourite um, yeah. insult of uh, Red Dwarf yeah. crew and cast. Yeah. <laughs> That's a really good device, isn't it? The, the, the smeg thing. And yeah, yeah, yeah. I think they snuck it through that they didn't know what smeg actually was. Yeah, that's course, I'm sure you guys know. Better known as milk cheese. <laughs> Lovely. Smeghead. Yeah. Yes. And they also have, which, you know, the spin-offs with the um, the mistakes, uh, the blooper reels are called the Smeg-Ups. Uh, and yeah. they have, you know, they used to release videos of them on, in their own right. They weren't just tagged on to the end of the series. They were brought out as videos. For the, for the fans. For the fans, yeah. yeah. Maybe yeah. we should do that with the podcast. For the fan. <laughs> Bloody hell, longer than the episode. <laughs> <laughs> Another uh, dwarf a word, gimboid. What's a gimboid? <laughs> Over to you, Sarah Curry. Well, yeah. Are you a Cod, dwarf sorry. Sarah? I don't know if I would call myself a dwarfer, but... Yeah. Yeah, I think that is the kind of term for a red dwarf fan, isn't okay. it? Yeah. I kind of I, I realized how big it was when um, because I wasn't. I'll be honest. Until I did this, I wasn't a massive follower of Red Dwarf. I've seen bits and pieces when it was mentioned by Sheldon on the Big Bang Theory. So I thought, oh, it must be big if he knows about it. <laughs> is yeah. that your yardstick? For it success? is because yeah, I'm not a big sci-fi man. I'm not particularly nerdish or into anything like that. So if yeah, if Sheldon says it. Then it must be. Then it must be popular. It must yeah. be popular. I mean, the Red Dwarf fan, fan club is a huge fan club oh, yeah, worldwide. And then you've got the Dimension Jump convention, which happens every yeah. year. Yeah, I, I was looking at this. Huge Comic Con, all to do with Red Dwarf. I was really surprised to find myself wanting to go. It looks ace. It really does. It's not my kind of thing at all. That. It would be Maybe good. it's because I've been researching this, but I just thought <laughs> this looks great. But I think it's really good in that the. You know, the actors that play those characters, I think they realise how much it means to everybody. And mm-hmm. I think it means a lot to them, so they do turn up at the Comic-Cons quite a lot. Yeah, and, I like it and when... And they acknowledge it. I like it when they give up the time like that, yeah, because they've kept them employed, haven't they, for like, what was it? How long is it going? 30 years, was it? Over 30 on for, years. Gainfully employed for 30 yes. odd years, yeah. 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 So. Apparently it's still going. Yeah. Apparently new, new really? in production. Yeah. Oh, well, there you yeah. go. Have you watched the most recent one, The uh, Promised Land? Yes. I've not seen. How it. did you find it, Sarah? Um, do you know what? I think it was it was nice in that you had a lot of um, referrals back to a lot of things. So 
uh, and a lot of cameo appearances from uh, you know new actors and probably fans mm. of the series. You could tell that you know while they were filming it, they must have had such a good time and just have been excited to be on Red Dwarf. <laughs> but yeah, there is. <laughs> I was watching it thinking this is a load of shit, and then it, I proper lolled. <laughs> Really it's stupid stuff. Yeah. Because because the the cats that have taken over, right, to get into the command room, they go through this massive cat flap. And they just kind of really awkwardly get in the, the side. Which, that was lol number one. And then and then the fact that when they uh, had a laser pen and they were all like chasing after it, that yeah. was lol number two. Which is a bit of a spoiler becomes relevant at the end of it, but so uh, Yeah. Um, so some people would say the red dwarf's not very good. Some people would say that. <laughs> I, think, I kind of love it, and I also think it's not very good at the same time. Can I do that? Is that a thing? You can, you can. It's, it's a, it, going back to the pilot, I watched the pilot, and it's a proper curate's egg. Because I remember thinking, mm. fucking hell, how much longer is this going on? I looked, I checked the time, and it was, it was only six minutes in. <laughs> and I thought, oh, fucking hell, this is going to yeah, be... But, you, but, but then, pilots, but then it's sort of... I know you can forgive pilots, because we know ourselves how, how hard it is to... To, you know, introduce people. Indeed. Um, but there was, and there was a few cameos that made it quite interesting. When Claire Grogan turned up, all was forgiven. Uh, Robert Bathurst was in there. Nigel from EastEnders. The list was endless. You know, all these people turning up. I didn't go much on the captain. Captain, is it Mac McDonald who played the captain? Captain Hollister. Mm, yeah. He was a bit unconvincing, as was some of the acting. Well, but, is the um, acting meant to be unconvincing? In that first one, I thought you kind but, of, but for well, finding feeling who they are, I suppose. About but, that. But throughout, this was this was something I really wanted. So it's the strangest to live. I mean, Danny John Jules, he just he can't act. Mm. Ooh, that's controversial. It is, yeah. But he's just. Well, maybe that's harsh. Maybe that's not going to make me. Yeah. <laughs> I would remember, but there's a just, lot of nerds out there who'll be waiting outside the door by the time we fucking finish this. But it's just they'll hack into our computer. He's got this style that I can't put my finger on where. Trying best trying to describe. It. They're all waiting to speak. Yes. Mm. Yeah. yeah. There's not much interaction. Going. And it's just really straight. It's like a stage show, but not. Yeah, that's a is, good point. It is yeah. quite. Um, they're they're waiting to deliver their lines. I think because they had a studio audience as well. Mm. I think that alters the way that things are filmed sometimes. And I, um, I don't know if it was just like a BBC thing or whether it was them finding their feet. But there's definitely a, right, wait a couple of seconds and now I'm going to deliver this killer line. And maybe it's not even a killer line, yeah. it's just yeah. a line. But Danny John Jules, he was hired because of his movement. Mm. He was a dancer and a singer. He's not really an actor as mm. such. But he is now. Well, mm. yeah, he's classed as an actor now. But because they, they wanted someone that was more movement-based and I don't think the cat was supposed to have a lot of dialogue... But obviously, as the character developed, mm -hmm. he ended up having more of a kind of central role in it. It'd all. be strange to have such a big personality who didn't say much, wouldn't it? Yeah, I, I exactly. Guess. So yeah. yeah, yeah. They maybe tried it out where he just kind of made sounds and yeah. things, but it maybe didn't work. I'm not sure. Because because I was Craig Charles, but he was a poet, wasn't he? Yeah, I seem to remember him being like a performance poet. Back in sort of mid eighties, in the days, Phil Jupiter's was doing all that. He was Porky the poet and stuff like that. So I thought he came out of that background. So he wasn't technically an actor either, I don't think. Um, no, unless he was trained as one. But. No, the, um, I think there was a bit of a split decision on whether or not they liked him as Lister. But yeah, obviously they went for it. 
I think it was more to do with the fact that he was from Liverpool. And right. uh, one of the writers, I can't remember which one it was, uh, Doug Naylor, uh, Grant or Doug, um, they really wanted someone from Manchester to play the right. part. But um, I think when he read, it was it was good chemistry. It, it worked, and yeah. It worked, so um, they went with him. Yeah, yeah, you're right there. It was it was not the first choice. Yeah. Don't know who was. It would have been interesting well, to know. Well, I read that... Um, I can't remember where I read it now. Um, Alan Rickman was yep. was going to be. Was it? Other were they interested in him being in it, or was he interested in being in it? I, I think. Remember. I think. Yeah, he was in. Well, he was in the frame for Lister and and Alf- Alfred Molina. Yeah, yeah, who had a similar problem to me because he, he just couldn't get his fucking head round it. <laughs> Basically, <laughs> Basically, what's going on? Yeah, <laughs> that would have been. But then he played a humanoid octopus man. Well, yeah, there is that. That would have been well, can imagine such a the money you got series. for doing that. Oh yeah, I'd get my head. You'd do me. anything, wouldn't you? Yeah, I'd fight Spider-Man I'd just for anything. I'd have a wanking <laughs> a flower pot on live telly. Oh, wanking flower pot, man! <laughs> <laughs> Quick, before uh, he does it again! Uh, oh no! Oh bollocks! Oh, Smaghead! Coming too soon to a Catch cinema you. near you. <laughs> Actually, I mean, because yeah. Spider-Man himself is a bit of a web slinger, isn't he? So, well, that's true. Yeah. So the other main character we haven't really mentioned is Rimmer, mm. Rimmer. played by Chris Barry. That's a great name, Rimmer. I like Chris Barry as well. Arnold I've always liked Chris Judas Barry. Rimmer. Yeah, it's a great middle name, isn't it? Yeah, Chris Barry, brilliant, isn't he? Oh yeah. yeah. I used to love him in the British Empire when he did that as well. Yeah. I think he, um, it, like, by the time he'd kind of finished doing the first kind of set of Red Dwarf series, and he went went on to other stuff. He was typecast, I think. As, yeah. Uh, in the British Empire, because he was definitely the same <laughs> kind of um, character in that. I feel we must, we must do that. The oh, British yeah. Empire is yeah. very, very funny. Because um, he was missing, wasn't he, from large part of one of the series? He went off to be Ace Rimmer, of course, um, whilst he was filming the British Empire. Yes, ah. yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah. I always find it hard watching as well when the same actors playing two parts in the same scene. I, do, I find that real difficult. I do. <laughs> they do. I do, they, I do, do they use that quite a lot as well, don't they? Especially when they kind of jump in dimensions and mm. you know speaking to each other and oh, this is a different version of myself. Yeah, and, I do. Yeah. I do find that quite hard uh, to, to watch sometimes. But yeah. I did find that funny that episode when that like, strange choice of villains. There was um, well, one like wanking flower pot man again, wasn't no, it? No, no, no. He, he'd long gone. Um, <laughs> Uh, Reg Oldsworth playing a Nazi, <laughs> which I oh. thought was interesting casting. Yeah, and um, in one of them, in the the the, the gunslinger one, Cassandra, the Cassandra's dad plays the baddie. You know, Cassandra from Only Fools and Horses yeah. plays the baddie. Mm. Um, but yeah, that made me laugh so much when he was like surfing from the aeroplane down on a crocodile. I don't know why that made me laugh. <laughs> it was just <laughs> too ludicrous for words. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I think when when they are stuck in basically like a capsule, you you have to bring it out. Don't you? I mean, they use, oh, yeah. they, use, they use the you know playing these um, VR games yes. as a way yeah. of you know getting um, getting out of there, which I thought was quite clever. Yeah, the um, better than life stuff. It's like the video game that's uh, supposed to kind of reel you in and, um, mm-hmm. and well, better than life makes you want to stay. There's there's a couple of books as well that was written and a lot of 
a lot of the stuff goes into a lot more detail. Right. And in the books, they actually get stuck in Better Than Life. Yeah. But on the actual show, um, when it was filmed, it was meant to look super duper, you know, beautiful, clean. Uh, but uh, on the days of filming, they, they were on a beach in Rill. Um, <laughs> and it was blowing a gale and cloudy, but they had to do the filming. So when they land in this in this world that's meant to be better than life, it looks a bit shit, yeah. basically. <laughs> real is many things. Yeah, but, but it's that, not paradise. It's not that. No, no, no. No, yes, indeed. not even land no. Yeah, and no. apparently in between takes, they were having to kind of wrap up in blankets mm. and try not to get hypothermia. Yeah. And the, some of the the voices are shaking sometimes because they're that cold. <laughs> you mentioned the books I read backwards years yeah. and years and years ago and I haven't reread that in preparation for this but I remember it being really visceral and really graphic because they have yeah. these like cyborgs who take over Red Dwarf and the whole thing is set as a, a giant torture chamber for Lister because they all want to get him because he's the last human alive and that's their only like raison d'etre is to kill all the humans and it's um yeah, it was mad. Yeah, it's definitely dark. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think the kind of there's a couple of books that kind of follow what the series is doing, um, but kind of go into more explanation, and then there's there's ones that kind of go off on a tangent. Yeah. You think, well, oh, I think wow. There's one Rob Grant wrote one on his own. Mm-hmm. Doug Naylor wrote one on his own. To see what they'd come up with. Yeah, oh, wow. been quite different. Yeah. Because yeah. they parted ways, didn't they? I can't remember how many series after. Yes. You know, series seven, maybe. Yeah, yeah. I think it. Well, in my opinion, when it gets to kind of series seven, it starts yeah. to that's really. That's dip. not bad going as it's staying together for seven series. Mm. No, that's, that's it's, pretty. It's a pretty good partnership. Yeah, yeah. We've talked about a lot of other sitcoms where really that nobody else is really standing the test of time on that, unless it is a US one written by a committee. Absolutely. Mm. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. That's a room full of so, writers, isn't it? Well, so in backwards. Um, you mentioned better than life when they fight the what is it the four not the four horsemen the apocalypse what do they call them the four gunmen four yeah, yeah whatever the, yeah. Uh, the, the, the Cassandra's dad and his mates the, the yeah. non-biblical equivalent they're basically um, a computer virus yeah in the book Crichton and Rimmer die mm-hmm. um, oh you fucking ruined it for me <laughs> but then spoiler alert but, but Kat and Lister go into another multiverse and bump into a Crichton and Rimmer who their equivalent of Lister and Cat were killed in the Better Than Life simulation. So the four of them just decide to stay together as, oh, well, you've lost your answer. So they're not actually, from that series onwards, they're not the original four, really. Okay, now. Blimey. Not very interesting. But, <laughs> but factual, John. Yeah. Not factual, that's, that's the main for. thing. But that, that episode won an Emmy, the four mm. gunmen of the apocalypse. It was... Um, and when you watch it, actually, it's it's filmed really well. It starts I thought it was off pretty like good. film noir and yeah, yeah, yeah. He plays like a Dick Tracy type, doesn't he? Yeah, yeah just trying to get his that. end away as usual. I should watch that. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's a and and the same year they won a, a an award for bre- best British comedy. So um, they did really well in 1994. Yeah, um, yeah, and that was series uh, series six, I think. It was doing well. 
It was yeah, starting but, to get recognised, I think, yeah. at that point. I enjoyed that backwards episode as well that you asked oh. me to watch. Yeah. yeah. That was very Does good. Does he take a shit up his ass in that? Yeah. Yeah, that's, yeah. that's I didn't it. watch that again, but yeah, it's etched in my memory. <laughs> that's another episode, because they, they did a lot of filming techniques that, was, that were never done before, and that was one of the episodes that everything was basically filmed backwards, but they're in that world moving forwards which is which at the time was completely revolutionary it was it was very very clever episode i thought that. yeah 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 i'm glad all that john john gilbert's taken out of it someone had a shit the <laughs> way around <laughs> think- the other thing i read about that was that there's a section where they're talking and the message is something like to the sad bastard who actually went to the effort of trying to work out what we're saying yeah <laughs> well done or something like that yeah I'll wait for that effect. Yeah, yeah. If you if you um, if you work this out, then yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so the longevity is there. It's been going for nearly twenty five years, but apparently it took five years for them to actually get it commissioned and off the ground. Eighty three was the first script, which of course was based on a the radio series. Was a sketch called Son of Cliche, or was a show called Son of Cliche? One way or the other. And that was just based on that single premise of the man being stuck in space. So really? At that yeah. point, as you said earlier, uh, Sarah, the, the rest of it probably wasn't even a twinkle in the eye. And then, of course, the uh, resistance from it, Gwendolyn, we can talk about Gwendolyn, of course, in a moment. They said he can't have a sitcom in space because there's no settee. And it was almost like, I wonder if they got that, I'll show you. Maybe uh, so, yeah. Maybe, Maybe so. yeah, yeah. And, of course, Gwendolyn came on to become one of the swear words. <laughs> oh, I assume that was a well-known Very I did not know that I did uh, not know so that. yeah somebody crosses you in um, well as, as, as two people who were writing and trying to get a, a, oh a yeah Every, everybody crosses Keep us their names down everybody crosses us don't you, you know, have to, uh, <laughs> if you've got the like, really annoying incontinent characters <laughs> just name them after but the, 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 the thing is it, you said there's no sofa in that but it's, it's basically the same so I know that the, there's only one human in a can but it's four Things, mm. yeah. for living things in a small space. That's yeah. that's as old as the hills, isn't it? Yeah. I mean, the original name for something like Rising Dam was the Banana Box mm. when it was a play, because it's just say four people just in an enclosed space, and that's all it is. Yeah. It's probably a good time to mention one of the characters that I, comes in later. Yes. Is Crichton the mechanoid? He wasn't yeah. in the first couple of series. It was actually a, a cameo at the end of, um, or the beginning of series two, yeah, episode one, where they go to rescue uh, some female crew members <laughs> oh, from another that's, ship. That's quite funny. That's and magic. It's one of my favourite episodes, and um, just because it mentions, it's got quite a lot of content in it. There's the massive mention of Esperanto. Which is yeah. like a, a language that was meant to be universal. It's, a, it's it, an actual it, language. It was the European, it was the Euro- My sister used to learn it at school. Really? Yeah. Oh absolutely. my God, I didn't realise people actually. Yeah. She was about as good as Lister, um, not Lister, Rimmer it as well. Yeah. But yeah. Um, that, I thought that was a great episode, that, I must be honest. It started, I think, with that Android version of Neighbours. Yeah. And, it, and it's just, just magic. It's Real just inventive. brilliant. Yeah. And, yeah. It, and it's um, David Ross who plays the original Crichton in that episode. Episode, and I thought um, he was very good in it as well. Yeah, yeah, it. was it? Um, and it just when he comes in and he's just like Shamita, and he's not noticed that it's for like or three skeletons because <laughs> these women have died, you know, years ago, and this poor android's just trying to maintain the fact that they're still alive. Um, it's brilliant, and he rebels in the end and, and leaves, and you think, okay, that's that was a one-off, but I don't know if it if they. 
like the producers liked the chemistry of the characters or whether Maybe it was so. the fans that were like bring Crichton back because mm-hmm. he ends up coming back in series three and it's Robert Llewellyn that's right who, um, I understand David Ross was still the, the choice for it but not available not ah, available right. yeah, yeah. Also, before we move on from that is Crichton continuing to serve three corpses the equivalent of us making a podcast that nobody's listening to <laughs> <laughs> maybe right maybe this is the parallel universe this is the yeah it's a metaphor <laughs> wait, wait a minute are you two actually dead <laughs> <laughs> I've just gone insane <laughs> the funny thing is about that episode though, again about it being surprisingly ordinary is as soon as they find out there's three women on board Oh, I mean, no, even yeah. Holly ends up with a toupee on, oh, trying to make an brilliant. impression, you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. You know, they all think they're in with a chance, and there's something very ordinary and day-to-day about that, which I thought was nice. Mm. Yeah, and it's it's it, Rimmer kind of putting his best, you know, his officer's uniform on with all the medals and uh, yeah. call me ace, you know, big me up a little bit. Big me up. And it's, it's, so it's, he ends yeah. up telling the corpses how yes. great he is. <laughs> but keeping Crichton going... A masterstroke because yeah. he's he, there's just so much fun to have with Crichton, isn't there? Absolutely. Like from the, the, the trying to get him to sweat, speak, yeah. and engage lie mode, and all that, and just the particular banter between him and Rimmer. Yeah, I think uh, yeah. What well, again? It's like you you're right. You kind of forget that he's not one of the original characters. Mm. Although I watched a documentary where they all still call him the new boy. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. That great, there's a great joke in that. Oh, when they, they've run out of normal milk. Oh. And he's having to drink dog's milk. He, he doesn't realise, Lister. And they said, oh, well, it lasts longer. And he said, how come? He said, no, bugger, I'll drink it. Which I thought was a great, great line. <laughs> <laughs> You're yeah. expecting this, this scientific reason. <laughs> yeah, it's holly. To, and it's like, it's full of goodness. It's full of marrowbone jelly. <laughs> no, bugger, I'll drink it. Who's your favourite holly? I oh, think... Is it hilly? Well, I, I think they both have good points, but I, I think Norm, Norman Lovett has the best lines, I think. He gets right. good lines. So. They're very, very similar, aren't they? Yeah. The, the, the style of delivery is stand-ups as well. They're yeah. both very similar. So when I started watching Red Dwarf, uh, Hattie Heerich was Holly. And yeah. It was only when I went back and watched it. And of course he comes uh-huh. back, there's, there's Norman Lovett. So I kind of had to kind of adjust to the old Holly as the new Holly, if that makes sense. Yeah. Another strange acting performance. Some really strange lines I thought from Norman Lovett. Now I know he's like that. Mm. Um, he just and he just seems to be cross because he probably was cross <laughs> in real life. I think he's still cross with them now. Maybe so. Maybe so. Yeah. The last interview that I read that he gave, he just drops it at the end. Yeah, the, you don't forget, creators of Red Dwarf, you still owe me money. Oh, <laughs> there was a, a big. I mean, the reason that um, Hattie Haybridge came in is because he he left the left the series because um well there's a little bit of contention about this story but apparently they moved where they were rehearsing and he didn't want to travel so they arranged with him that he because he's not in a lot of the scenes that he could just come kind of the day before and and rehearse then but he was still asking for the same money and everyone said well no because you're not doing the same Uh, amount of work so he said right i'm off um, so they created um, a uh, an episode where they uh, end up in a parallel universe where there's female versions of themselves and there's a female version of Holly and she takes over in the end. 
Yeah. It doesn't always explain between the series why the Holly switches. There's quite a yeah. lot of things that aren't explained. There is there is a Star Wars type um long, you know, the oh, the yes. beginning of Star Wars where the where the story rolls. They yeah. do a kind of Mickey take of that at the beginning uh, of, of um it's series. Too fast to read. Three. Too fast but they to know read. all the nerds watching will yeah. slow it down Yes, and, it, and that explains about a lot of uh, things. It explains about sorry. Crichton, it explains quite a lot of stuff. Not nerds, fans. Just to clarify. Dwarfers. Enthusiasts. Yeah. They'll have hacked into my phone by now. <laughs> so you so you watched the um, the episodes that I recommended. I did. Out of those. Like, I do everything you tell me. Out of those, which is the one that you like the most? I'm curious to know. I think that one we just spoke about, the Crichton one. Right, okay. Where the, the, the three dead women on board. And stuff. I thought, I, it just made me laugh a yeah. lot. Um, the fact that they died. <laughs> yeah, it's a bit sick I'm man, such a misogynist. Oh, there's three dead birds in this one. Um, <laughs> no, it was just we, it just really, really did make me laugh. I do know that John Lepaul's didn't rank him out of the first. <laughs> As Kat said, well, so what if she's a bit on the skinny side? Yeah, exactly. Any port in a storm, love. <laughs> Sorry, John, you were making in what felt like it was building up to an. Oh no, I mean, it was it, no real point. Um, <laughs> but there was another one with the ace. As I say, that ace one I found very funny with the the scrap with the crocodile and the Nazi. You know, yeah, that, that old chestnut. <laughs> that old trope. And um, <laughs> uh, I say Craig Charles, but Dave Lister um, using cheats to he became he was jousting, so he could he could bed the queen. Yeah, yeah. And um, it was Sarah Alexander, so I took me out after him, absolutely. <laughs> but I liked all yeah, that. Yeah, that's not that, that. you finding a reason to be horny. Oh, you know me, Johnny. Yeah. You know me. <laughs> no, no, that was, that was all, all good stuff. Because I, I'll be honest with you, I'll level with you. I'm not a massive, you know, this isn't really my style of thing, because I just think sci-fi. Because mm. it, the sci-fi is just a device to get, to have four, I want to say people, but it's not people, it's four individuals. Mm-hmm. Sort of, and how they rub along, and how they don't rub along, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, so that that's all it is. But I, I enjoyed it a lot more than I thought I would. Have. Let's put it that mm-hmm. way. That's good. What about you, Other John? So, as I said, when I came into this, uh, as a bit, of, my, my dad used to like Red Dwarf, and I would watch it with him. So my dad used to have a Red Dwarf T-shirt. Oh yes. It, it is a sitcom in the traditional sense, but it's a stroke of genius to set it in the limitless possibilities of the multiverse. Absolutely. Because Absolutely. without that, you wouldn't get this the sci-fi fan element to it. You wouldn't have your Comic-Con yeah. side to it. So there is so much to get excited about and you can have fan theories and lots of fan fiction and all of those things. Absolutely. You, you, you can go for it. And there's some really, um, intre- really interesting ideas, particularly when they get into time travel and... and um, well, I keep saying multiverse, but the multiverse is, is fast. You can go all kinds of places with it, and you've got all these different alternative versions of Rimmer, um, and he's, he's going out trying to find one that was worse than our Arnold Rimmer, and it's the, the futile mission kind of thing. So, well, that's his talent as well, isn't it, Chris Barry? Because he's an impressionist, and he can morph into different characters anyway. Yeah. So it, it plays on it plays on that, which is great because he's great as Ace, isn't he? Yeah, I like him as Ace as well. Yeah, and it's Chris Barry's a fantastic like, mimic. And when you um, listen to the books on, uh, like when they've been done on uh, Audible or any other, however yeah. you choose to listen yeah. to them, um, hey, you can get this on Audible. Can wow. you really? Well, there I you think go. Most Nobody people, has yet. Most people turn into yeah. inaudible. <laughs> 
So when you listen to the books, it's actually Chris Parry doing all of the characters. Oh, does he? Yes. And he does everybody's accents. And yeah, it's just him. Oh, Norman, love it. What like that? It's brilliant. (laughs) He is really good. Getting everybody else's money. Well, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) All right, dudes. So it's not a universally acceptable sitcom, this. It's if you watch Red Dwarf, it would be, oh, you're a bit of a geek kind of thing. It was closed off to, to some close-minded people who, who maybe say, well, I don't do sci-fi. Yes. It's people who won't watch Game of Thrones because they don't like things with dragons in. And <laughs> the... If I didn't like dragons, I'd never go home. <laughs> Sorry, darling. I shouldn't listen to this. Um, no, it's, it's, I know what you mean, though. I know what you mean. Because I, I, in theory, I should really go for this because I used to love Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. Okay. But I almost don't see that as sci-fi. I just see that as genius. I just thought the writing yeah, was Jesus. Wow. Oh, okay. used, used to read all the books and it's just fantastic. I wondered if we could shoehorn that into this podcast as well. What's Might that? have to do with special. Mm. Yeah. I like special. So talking about the cast, um, some fans have made a weird observation about the main stars of Red Dwarf and you may already know this. So Craig Charles, Chris Barry, Danny John Jules and Robert Llewellyn, all of them have first names for surnames. Oh, yeah. Charles Barry, well, John Jules, and Llewellyn. And oh, all of them yeah. were born on a leap year. Blimey, Raleigh. Well, 64, we 60, 60, and 56. Goodness me. I'm weirded out. I'm weirded out now. Yeah, I didn't know that. That's interesting. Mm. I mean, it's not that interesting. Maybe well, that's why. It is. is that why Norman Lovett never got the job? Yeah, he was born in like. 1957 and there's no one called Love It yeah loving it loving it loving it (laughs) maybe that's why they have to wait so long before they say their lines because we're born in leap years wait so long every four years it's not a timing device so you think their timing is off by 360 seconds yeah yeah yeah. (laughs) because because they're all born in leap years maybe that's it it. (laughs) who finds these things out it's mad, um, well, the thing is, normally, when you Google <laughs> facts about one of the sitcoms we're talking about, you, after four or five websites, you just get in the same stuff over and over again. Not with Red Dwarf. Oh, you could <laughs> go on. So many. Right, another fact, fact for you, again, not a rare fact, you probably already knew this. You mentioned David Ross earlier on, Sarah. Oh, yeah. Um, who played um, Crichton, of course, and originally. Did you know he was back in it as another character? What did he do? He became Talkie Toaster. Oh, ah. Talkie Toaster. Yeah, who, um, yeah, who I thought was a great character. Lister hated him. Yeah. He did try to fight off. What was the um, the the episode where with Mister Flibble? Um, oh, um, quarantine. Yeah. Um, yeah. That, uh, I, Talkie Toaster died in that battle, I believe. Mm-hmm. Well, that's um, a shame. Isn't it? Yeah. Now you see the thing is there was one or two things like in the backwards episode and there was is that the one where he, he takes the shit up his ass. Yeah, that's the one, John. That's the one. Yeah, <laughs> you clever that. Thought, he's remembered the key moment of the whole episode. <laughs> well, so, uh, you need me to explain it, right? So the the, the, the shit starts. I don't think from we needed to explain it. And ends up in his ass. It's a reverse shit. It's a motion picture. Yeah. What can I tell you? You got caught between two stools. I don't know. <laughs> So, so what you saying, but, No, what I was saying, <laughs> fucked it, I mean, I'll explain it again if you want. <laughs> um, no, I did find some of it quite headworking. 
Do you know when they would they had to if they wanted to do something they had to think or do the reverse? I can't remember which episode that was in. And it was the same with the backwards episode. Yeah, that, it was just, really starting to mess with my well. head. Yeah, where, uh, when they're, they're attacking the, uh, the the guard on that or the guardian or whatever he's called, and it just comes back on you. I suppose. I, I, oh I, yeah, yeah. I can't remember which episode it was, but if you like wanted to use the lift, you had to make you had to not call for the lift and things like that. it was. It was yeah. Not, oh. Yeah. And if one of them got it wrong, they ended up back where they started. Oh, was, yes. It's a bit yeah. like Tenet. I don't know if you've seen that Christopher Nolan movie that made everybody angry. I went to the <laughs> cinema to watch that. We often talk about whether or not there have been like foreign versions or spin-offs of Red Dwarf. They tried it. They, they tried an American version. Did you know that? I never knew that. I didn't know they tried it. I knew it. they tried it, but have not seen any of it. Yeah. So, uh, so Robert Llewellyn's in it as Crichton still. Ah. Um, and can you guess who played Holly? A British actress. British actress. It is Jane Leaves. So Daphne really? from Frasier. Daphne. Holly. Really? Yeah. <laughs> and Cat was female. Um, but yeah, it didn't make it. Right. Okay. They, it they didn't. They've, they've made a couple. Uh, they made one, and then they made another one with quite a lot of adjustments. Um, all white cast. Um, but yeah, it didn't. Um, it, it didn't work. So did it actually get aired, or they just filmed I, it and no, it didn't? I think it was just yeah, it was just a pilot, the private screening <laughs> pilot. So they did actually offer um, uh, Craig Charles and Chris Barry roles within it, but they, they turned it down. down. Yeah, so I guess it's doomed at that point, isn't it? Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Wow. Mm. I've got a way to to attempt to try and. <laughs> Past the board and the wicker. It's not a fucking quiz, is it? It's a quiz. Oh, oh. is it? Oh, come so, on. So let's, do, let's do something forced fun. So, Red Dwarf famously has Smeg as its, as its swear word. Mm-hmm. I'm going to give you some other sci fi swear words if you can tell me which show they're from. <laughs> oh, God. I think you're on your own here. Right, okay. here we go. And, and, if, and a bonus point for this one if you can tell me what it means. Okay, poodoo. Poodoo. Poodoo or hoodoo? Poodoo. Hoodoo. P-W-O-D-W-O. Poodoo. Oh, that's spe- the traditional spelling. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, it's. Uh, I'll give you a clue. It's Hutties. <laughs> it's John having a fucking stroke. <laughs> Hutties. What the fuck's he Hutties. Oh, is, it... is this Hutties? Hutties. I know, I'm thinking of Wesley's. <laughs> Wesley's on <laughs> Yeah, that well-known sci-fi. Well, yeah, yeah, um, yeah. It's a very well-known sci-fi. So it's from Star Wars. Oh, is it? Uh, so oh, okay. Poodoom is is means like fodder, so food for banter Actually. fodder. Oh, okay. Yeah, okay. Shazbot. 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 I think he was a a camp guy who was in the second series of Big Brother. We <laughs> 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 got booted out first. <laughs> you know when people start getting on it for the wrong reasons. It's, <laughs> it's not the last you've seen of me. Never fucking seen him again. <laughs> Um, Shazbot. Shazbot was the equivalent of fuck, uh, which Robin Williams's character Mork from Mork and Mindy. Oh wow, oh. Mork. Nanu, Nanu. Yeah. I used to watch Mork and Mindy. Yeah, yeah. No, I don't think Nanu, do Nanu was a swear. <laughs> I mean, it'd be great if it was. Mindy, you want a good Shazbot in? Is that how we used to say it in that? Yeah. Okay. And uh, frack. Oh. Fracking this. Frack, frack. you. Fracking hell. I'm presuming that's not getting gas out of the Frack ground. me up the ass. <laughs> Frack. Frack me up the shaz spot. <laughs> Frack me up the shaz spot. Frack me up the shaz dot with your poodoo. Yeah. 
So. Frack. That is, I don't know. Yeah, that is from Battlestar Galactica. Oh, wow. Oh. That's niche. And then I've got the final one I think you're going to know, and it's the most offensive and dangerous term in the universe. Okay. And it's, I seem to be having tremendous difficulty with my lifestyle. Is that Hitchhiker's Guide to the it Galaxy? It is. Yeah. God. It's, the, it's the words of Arthur Dent which echoed across the universe and caused an intergalactic war. Here God. we go. And, ca- and caused them to come and exterminate humans because of the great offence caused by Arthur Dent's words. <laughs> Christ almighty. So that was Sitcom Sit Down Does Red Dwarf. It, we found it was quite easy to get hold of. It was on Amazon Prime. It was on Dave. Yep, yep. Yeah, a couple of episodes are not available, but don't worry about them. Probably not the very good ones anyway. You have to pay um, for the latest ones, but hey, yeah. hey ho. Oh, if you really like it, splash out. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> I'll buy it. Yeah. Even better. <laughs> Clean it up, then buy it. <laughs> I did. I, did. I, did. I said this off air. I don't know if I'm doing these deliberately. <laughs> he can't help himself listening. <laughs> no one's listening. Is it coming Who are you, are you Mr. talking Mr. to? Mr. Gilbert's listening. Yeah. And Sally in the car. Evening, Sally. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, I've I've been I've been a John, and so have I. And I've been a Sarah Jane. Thank you for listening. God bless. Bye bye.